welcome to Arbitral Insights, a podcast series brought to you by our international arbitration practice lawyers here at Reed Smith. I'm Jose Estigarraga, Global Head of Reed Smith's International Arbitration Practice. As we close out 2021 and look towards 2022, we are pleased to present this mini-series of podcasts that will review key developments over the past year across a number of important geographic regions, industries, and specialisms. And we'll look ahead to consider what the next 12 months might bring. I hope you enjoy the industry commentary, insights, and anecdotes we share with you in the course of this series, wherever in the world you are. If you have any questions about any of the topics discussed, please do contact our speakers. And with that, let's get started. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Arbitral Insights, Horizon Scanning. I'm Nick Austin, a partner in the shipping team at Reed Smith in London, and I'm joined today by Lian Jun Li in our Hong Kong office. We are both experienced shipping lawyers, having worked in that sector for many years, and in particular in the field of maritime arbitration, which continues to thrive in a number of arbitral centres around the world. In this podcast, Lian Jun and I will be looking back at some of the key developments in 2021 in maritime arbitration in our respective regions, before trying to scan the horizon a little bit to see what 2022 might hold. So, Lianjin, if we could come to Asia first, what, in your view, have been the main themes of maritime arbitration in Hong Kong and Asia this year? Hi, Nick. Thank you for your introduction. I would like to cover three matters. One is relating PRC arbitration law. Secondly, relating to SMA arbitration new rules and uh, what is happening in Hong Kong for the new cases. Firstly, in PRC, the People's Republic of China, discussions on the revision of the arbitration law of the PRC, which will significantly affect the practice in China in the near future. So the revision draft including the following aspect. One is to establish the seat of arbitration standard. In the past, in China, only institutional arbitrations are allowed. Now, apparently, the new law will allow ad hoc arbitration based on the new law. But of course, there are safeguard provisions. And the second part, the new law will give power to arbitration tribunal to hold interim measures. In the current regime in China, you can only apply to the court for the interim measures, such as freezing order. So in the future, there might be possibility for the arbitration tribunal to issue the order. And also, the tribunal, clearly, there is clear power for the tribunal to decide its own jurisdiction. So we have to wait and see when the new law will be promulgated. We anticipate the new law will be promulgated next year. So that's what is happening in China. In Singapore, the new SCMA arbitration rules will apply on 1st January 2022. There are 
few revisions to the previous rules. One is to cope the pandemic restrictions. The new rules allow remote arbitration proceedings, including electronic communications and the remote hearing, and also increased timelines to ensure efficiency in arbitration process. Arbitration proceedings are deemed closed after three months following final closing submissions. The new rules also enhance cost and procedure efficiency, and the arbitration may now be preceded only two arbitrators, and the third arbitrator may be appointed only for the oral hearing. So there are also clear rules for documents-only arbitration, and in such case, no third arbitrator is needed to be appointed at any time. So that is happening in Singapore. I was actively participating in the revision because、uh, I'm a member of the procedure committee of Singapore SCMA. So that is what is happening in Singapore. And in Hong Kong, there are a few new cases in respect of arbitration. Hong Kong Court Appeal recently clarified that the proper test for determining a winding up petition based on an arbitration debt. So the Court Appeal clearly set out the standards. Uh, for instance, if you have an arbitration award which is pending appeal, whether the petition for winding up will need to be struck out, the court appeal set out the standards. Answer is: if there is genuine appeal, and the petition will be struck out. So that's what is happening in Hong Kong. Nick, what about the maritime arbitration scene in London? What、uh, you have been saying? In 2021, thanks, Liang, and that's a really helpful summary from from your side of the world. Well, happily for those of us、uh, practicing in the maritime sector here, English shipping law continues to adapt and develop to the world around it. Specifically, I suppose changes in the pattern and risks of international trade and the carriage of goods by sea, and that makes it, and I think always has made it, quite dynamic and responsive to. External factors and real-world events, and of course, we've seen plenty of those globally this year. The ever-given blockage of the Suez Canal, the huge supply problems affecting shipping and causing long delays at ports around the world, as you will know, and of course, the COVID pandemic, which has provoked a range of problems. So, by its nature, maritime law here has reflected the state of things on a global scale. And coming to arbitration, that has been reflected in the forum where the majority of shipping disputes are resolved, and that's to say, in maritime arbitration, and that has responded to the disputes that will follow. As many will know, in London, maritime arbitration usually falls under the auspices of the LMAA, the London Maritime Arbitrators Association, and they have remained very busy this year. The last set of statistics published for 2020, so that's last year, the LMAA had 1,775 new arbitrations started, and published 
523 awards at the conclusion of the proceedings. And I fully expect those figures to be the same or higher in 2021. And of course, a great many hearings are now virtual or in a hybrid or semi-virtual format. I might come back to that a bit later. It's also clear from a review of published awards that maritime arbitration in 2021 has reached all the major types of dispute, issues with time and voyage charter parties, uh, the withdrawal of vessels by owners from charters, hire issues, cargo, bill of lading issues, shipbuilding disputes. All of those are evident in the reports. I think another positive feature of the maritime arbitration scene, which I've noticed in 2021, is that a range of arbitral decisions have gone to the High Court and beyond on appeal. Now, as our listeners will know, appealing an arbitration award is intentionally difficult. And I think for that reason, the numbers of appeals have been slowly declining year on year. But many of the appeals in 2021 have been on really important issues and have allowed some key maritime law principles to be restated or reconsidered by the courts. And that really helps contribute to the development of the law, which at the end of the day is what arbitrators must apply to resolve a dispute. So we've had fewer appeals, but I'd say the quality of them in terms of the issues they cover has been higher. Two brief examples come to mind. The first is a case called the Thai Prize, which is a really good example of a review of the law by the Court of Appeal of some really fundamental and long-established principles involving the master's duty when it comes to signing bills of lading for goods shipped on board his vessel. And that was a case that started in arbitration. The other case, the Eternal Bliss, is a paradigm example of a court reviewing a central concept in English shipping law, demurrage, what it is and what it is intended and does liquidate. And that was achieved not through the appeal process, but through the mechanism available in the Arbitration Act of 1996, which is the English legislation governing ad hoc arbitrations. And Section 45 of that allows a preliminary point of law to be referred to the court for determination. And I think that has proved to be a very useful tool indeed. A final brief word on on 2021 is the impact of the Halliburton decision, which listeners may remember is the major Supreme Court case of a couple of years ago on arbitrator conflict of interests and the duty to disclose overlapping appointments in ad hoc arbitrations, such as those heard under the LMAA terms. And that case, as many will know, generated some some real heat and some concern. But I think the LMAA stats from 2020, which I say I think will be repeated or bettered in 2021, show that the users of LMAA rules do still have the confidence to continue using ad hoc and, and LMAA arbitration as a way of resolving their maritime disputes. So all in all, I think it's it's been a busy year here. Maritime arbitration continues to be very active, uh, reflecting, as shipping usually does, the economic and geopolitical challenges around the world. So, Lianjin, I want us to try and look forward to next year, if we can, and scan the arbitral horizon 
What do you see as the the key themes likely to emerge as we go into 2022 uh, on the shipping arbitration front in, in Asia? I believe there is a clear shift of maritime and the trading services to the east, meaning a larger demand for maritime-related financial and legal services. So this trend of growing maritime arbitration in Asia will be inevitable. And Hong Kong, there are many unique attractions for the users, in particular mainland Chinese, or in other places they choose Hong Kong. As a competitive London, hopefully we can work together. One is, as you know, Hong Kong Maritime Group. They are now in the built-in BIMCO arbitration clause in their standard contract. And also there are measures, there are agreements reached between mainland China and Hong Kong. In particular, in Hong Kong, if you have arbitration in Hong Kong by the one of the six organizations, you can take steps in China to get a security before arbitration or during arbitration or evidence from China. For instance, if a Singapore company has an arbitration agreement to be conducted in Hong Kong, and against the Chinese party, you can apply to the mainland court to freeze the assets or to apply to the mainland Chinese court to have the evidence preservation. Now, Hong Kong is under one country, two systems with mainland Chinese court, different jurisdiction. And the mainland China, that's allowed this Hong Kong preservation. That's the only jurisdiction in which you are allowed to do so. For instance, if you agree with Singapore arbitration, you can't apply to the local court for a freezing order against the Chinese parties. So that's the advantages of the Hong Kong maritime or including arbitration institutions. So that will attract people think about choosing Hong Kong. And in Singapore, And again, I believe Singapore arbitration institutions are trying hard. And I understand this year they have the SCMA, they have a 5% increase of the cases handled. So that's obviously for the East users. That's the two places, Hong Kong and Singapore, probably attracting the users in the Far East. As mentioned previously, SCMA has amended its arbitration rules, which make a user very friendly. So that is another factor for the users to choose in this region. And I also believe there is a trend for alternative maritime dispute resolution in Asia. I have a lot of cases to mediate it in London. Uh, of course, London is one of the popular places for the parties to choose mediation in London because there are not many or at least a few highly regarded mediators. Now, in Asia, there is a trend, I believe, people are trying to resolve their dispute by mediation. And that's probably answer your question. 
And Nick, let me also ask the similar question about London. What do you expect to see in 2022? Thanks, Lianjun. It's a it's a good question because 2022 is is nearly upon us. I think from from this side, I would highlight two themes we're going to be focusing on in maritime arbitration next year. The first is more of a question, given what's bound to be continuing uncertainty around the pandemic. We have the new variant and restrictions returning in in some places. Are we going to see a partial return to physical in-person arbitration hearings? Or are are virtual and semi-virtual hearings really going to bed down as the new normal? And I think there are two sides to this coin. I think a lot of arbitrators and lawyers and the users of arbitration believe, probably rightly, that semi or fully virtual hearings for at least some part of the arbitration process are here to stay. And given the enormous popularity and effectiveness of tools like Zoom and Teams, and of course, as we know, virtually all of the major arbitral institutions and industry associations, including the LMAA on the maritime arbitration side, now have formal rules and protocols dealing with virtual hearings. The LMAA terms of 2021 have it in their sixth schedule. And it's true, it seems to me, that where you have an arbitration, where the parties and the witnesses and perhaps even the experts are in different countries, then virtual hearings have a clear role to play. Convenience, the huge savings in time and costs, uh, and not to mention the uh, reduction in carbon footprint of flying people all around the world, which of course businesses are rightly focusing on. The other side of the coin, I think, is in the eyes of many in the arbitration world, it will still be necessary, and I think probably advantageous for the parties, to have in-person hearings so that witnesses can be properly examined, cross-examined and tested in an open hearing room with all the players there at the same time and with proper eye contact and a desire to maintain a formality that I think, or a lot of people think, at arbitration hearing should have. And sometimes formality can go by the wayside a little bit on Zoom or other virtual hearings. I think a physical hearing also avoids some of the issues we've seen with virtual hearings. So people in different time zones, the risk of obviously technical issues, Zoom fatigue, people just tuning out a bit because they've been looking at a screen all day, and perhaps the lack of opportunities to discuss informally and even potentially to compromise a case outside the hearing room. So it seems to me there's no doubt that almost everything about contested arbitration hearing benefits from being in person uh, with everyone there focused on their role in the dispute. But as I say, there are two sides to that coin. And the question is whether we start to see a gradual return to in-person hearings or whether virtual or semi-virtual hearings become the norm. I do think that interlocutory hearings, applications for security for costs or disclosure perhaps, will almost always now be virtual, perhaps even where the parties are all in London, unless there's a good reason why that would not be appropriate. So perhaps on that point, that much will depend on the progress or otherwise of pushing back the pandemic in the coming months. Finally, I think the second thing I would say we are looking out for in 2022 in London is the type of disputes coming through to maritime arbitration and through to hearings. 
I think we are bound to start seeing a variety of cases and disputes which reflect the impact of the pandemic over the last two years. Force majeure, delays, additional costs, support costs, the crew change issue, of course, termination, quarantine issues, and so on. And I think these types of issue will come alongside the traditional disputes I talked about earlier, which given uh, the volatility and the sensitivity of the markets at the moment, are bound to continue. People pulling out or extricating themselves from contractual arrangements, I think, will also be a theme. So those are the two main things, I think, the engine that we will probably see in this part of the world. Well, I'm pleased to say that that brings us to the end of today's podcast on horizon scanning in the maritime arbitration world, both in London and in the Asia region. Thank you to you all for listening. Uh, We hope you found our insights uh, interesting and helpful. If you have any questions at all, please do get in touch with me, Nick Austin, my colleague, uh, Lianjin Lee in Hong Kong, or your usual contact at Reed Smith. Thank you and goodbye. Arbitral Insights is a Reed Smith production. Our producer is Ali McArdle. For more information about Reed Smith's global international arbitration practice, email Joseas de Garaga at jia at reedsmith.com. You can find our podcasts on Spotify, Apple, Google Play, Stitcher, reedsmith.com, and our social media accounts at Reed Smith LLP on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter. This podcast is provided for educational purposes. It does not constitute legal advice and is not intended to establish an attorney-client relationship, nor is it intended to suggest or establish standards of care applicable to particular lawyers in any given situation. Prior results do not guarantee a similar outcome. Any views, opinions, or comments made by any external guest speaker are not to be attributed to Reed Smith LLP or its individual lawyers. All rights reserved.